0: Welcome to Beyond the Rig. Our focus is on connecting young professionals with the energy sector. Join the Youth Government Energy team, Shane Wilson, Nisha Ramdas, Graham Jones. This season, we will be engaging in conversations with leaders from various companies within the energy value chain. On this episode, As our guest, we have Dr. Thackeray Driver, the CEO of the Energy Chamber of Trinidad and Tobago. Welcome, Dr. Driver, or as everybody calls you, Dax.
1: So the Energy Chamber is uh, an organization which has been around for quite a long time, about 60 years. Um, It was first known as the South Trinidad Chamber of Industry and Commerce. Um, So originally, it mainly concentrated on issues to do with um, with just geographically with South Trinidad, but it had this very strong association with Plipdeco because, in fact, it actually founded Plipdeco, uh, the landlord for Point wow. Lisa, uh, in 1966. Um, so originally, Plipdeco was owned, um, majority owned or controlled by by the Energy Chamber, um, and um, uh, the, the the well, actually, it was then called the South Chamber. So the South Chamber then you know, had, had wanted to see the development of this petrochemical uh, cluster in, in Point Lisas. Uh, for various reasons, it was taken on really the investment that came from the state in the 1970s, and uh, there we saw this fantastic growth of, of Point Lisas. So the South Chamber had this long association with Point Lisas and with the energy industry generally. I took over running the South Chamber in uh, 2002. My background was not at all in the energy sector whatsoever. Um, I actually have a PhD in uh south, southern african history environmental history <laughs> southern africa so uh, I'm, i moved a very long way from that but i sort of came in to run the south chamber i think because they saw that, that their leadership for the south chamber saw me as somebody uh yeah, relatively young back then that was quite a long time ago i had a, a lot less gray hair than i have now as somebody who sort of could uh Chart a path forward for a, for an organization which was trying to to develop a new strategy having to interact a lot with government but was a was a private sector representative organization um so i think that's sort of why they had a- asked me to take it on and i just learned a lot about the energy industry from talking to people um, you know, in the sector and uh, and and reading a lot yeah you know, there's a lot of information about the industry and yeah uh, you know, it's available and you just got to make yourself you know, have a very open mind Um, have the right meet the right people and being involved in the chamber allows you to meet all the right people and just educate yourself um, uh, about the about the industry so not all jobs in the sector you know are necessarily jobs where you need an engineering background or or background as a geologist obviously those are two key professions for the for the, the the industry engineering and geology but there's a lot of other professionals you know from from Law and communications and management and procurement. So there's a lot of jobs within the industry much more more widely than that. And the chamber is a pretty unusual beast because it's uh, you know we're a trade association. We're we're owned by the members. There's about 400 members um, of of the the chamber, and they the whole gamut from um, you know the major international uh, upstream oil and gas companies, the the state companies, the NGC and uh, and Heritage, and then. Uh, all the petrochemical plants in, in Point Lysis, but then most members are actually service companies and contractors. And again, there's quite a big mix amongst them. There's some, you know, there's the local subsidiaries of the global giant companies. But then, yeah, there's a lot of um, you know, medium-sized, family-owned businesses um, uh, in the industry who offer services to the sector. Uh, and in a way, those are sort of the core uh, you know, companies with, within within the chamber. But I think it's sort of what sets us apart. Makes us a little bit unusual compared to, to other associations. We have that we have that mix across the entire, uh, the, first of all, the entire value chain um, of, of the the gas and the oil industry, um, but also yeah, the value chain of of the operating companies and the service companies and and, uh, and subcontractors as well. Um, so, trying to bring all of them together. Um, is sort of what the chamber does.
0: Thanks so much for that kind of introduction First, to understand um, the, the energy chamber, basically the evolution of how it became the energy chamber from the like yeah. the south chamber to the energy chamber. And also, interesting um, background how you have a background in history and uh, you actually, you yeah. know, you, you took that background and you evolved yourself in terms of, uh, I know you're ahead of the, the, the energy chamber, you know, which is sure. so critical for for Trina, you know, um, it, at least the last four years in terms of the work you all have been doing has been out there a lot, from talking about the opportunity costs, decarbonization, and also with not only the industry in terms of like the BPZ shells, etc., but also with the government as well too. Sure. So, you know, yeah, so it, we we know like the energy chamber is definitely a, a critical stakeholder with, with, with those with influencing change. And as young professionals, that we need advice on is like how basically in terms of what are some of the lessons that you learn trying to influence change? Yeah, so that's a, yeah, a really good question, and it's not a,
1: it's not something that's easy to, to answer. Um, yeah, how do you actually drive um, people to change their mind on things? Because that's essentially what you're trying to do when you're trying to ad, advocate for, for for change. So. The South Chamber from its earliest days had said as one of its priorities that it wanted to change things. It was very clear when the Chamber was set up in 1956 that uh, it wasn't there about protecting a status quo. It was about trying to to, to actually change things for the better. Um, so that's been a key sort of underlying philosophy which which has existed right the way through all the things the Chamber has done. So you're trying to influence change. One of the things I think that I've learned over the years is that is that that's takes a long time um, and you have to keep at it. Uh, It's not something which you can make just one good argument and write one compelling paper and uh, present it to one policymaker and somehow that's going to change anything. That's not how advocacy works. Um, actually uh, it has any success what you have to do is you have to take along a critical mass of people you have to change their minds to 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 change how they're thinking about a problem so if you take the energy efficiency um, side you know the 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 big argument which we're having to try to, to to show people is that there isn't such a thing as as cheap electricity in the country anymore and that we have to change how people think about electricity they have to change people's mindset around it. Uh, and that's not about just you know, writing a, a, a strong technical argument. And yes, we can do that. And there's people who you know, we can tap that expertise um, you know, to, to, to get those answers. But then how do you constantly communicate that and keep that in front of people and get people to, to, to move their position and think about it in, in a new way? That is a long, slow process of communication. You don't get to it just by talking to the people who you already are your supporters? You don't. You can't just. You can't just preach to the choir. Uh, you have to talk much more broadly to people. And but likewise, you don't get to it by arguing with people who who are, who are opposing you either. So it's not about getting into in, into a. Uh, you know, uh, a tip for tat with, with with people who are strongly opposing you. It's a it's about trying to convince people uh, in general, you know, that this is a change which is which is necessary. And when you do that, then policymakers will begin to listen. When they hear things repeatedly and, and and they feel there's a groundswell of opinion going in a certain direction, then then you can influence the the, the agenda. Uh, the challenge with that, I think, from a lot of people in a business association, is that. Business leaders are used to seeing sort of results based upon very clear metrics. So you sort of, you know, you, you, you implement a project to improve the efficiency of doing something. Um, and uh, then, you know, the, the business leaders say, okay, well, we've, we've succeeded in meeting that metric. With the advocacy work, the metrics are a little bit difficult sometimes <laughs> to see exactly what you're doing. So you have to sort of, I think, you have a different mindset uh, you know, about trying to just change people's views. Um, it just it needs a lot of communication um, I think the thing that we have found over the last few years there was a stage when we were very much I guess talking amongst ourselves in the industry um, and you know convincing ourselves that, that, that we we're making the changes and I think that we realized in the chamber that we had to reach out beyond that you know and reach to, to, to younger people um, uh, you know I think particularly with the change around energy transition you know these are issues which are uh, yeah, really of great importance to, to people who are currently uh, teenagers and in their twenties, because this is the, you know that they're the people who have who have longer on this planet, and they're the ones who are going to live with the consequences of climate change for, for longer than somebody like me who's, who's in my fifties. So you, we need to reach out to those to, to to that group, but they have a lot of skepticism about what you know what does does it you know energy chambers views, and there's a lot of skepticism around that, and you have to just reach beyond that, and when people you know, react badly to, to, to the chamber saying something because they have a, a negative view of the chamber, you have to just not take it personally and just say, OK, this is somebody else. I have to find some way of reaching, reaching through, a, through, a, through a different mechanism. And, uh, you know, the social media, I think, is important. Um, and communicating through social media is a, a part of that but also it's about convincing people in, in, in sort of one-to-one settings. And your your biggest advocate's are also always gonna be um, people who are going to argue your position in a in a one-to-one personal conversation with with their family members or their neighbors or their
0: friends. So th- thanks so much, Dax, for, the, for, for basically providing that advice, you know. Um, and you, you hit something key there, you know. Um, change takes a long time, you know, and I think as as young professionals, we have to um, know that patience is one of the virtues that, yes. I mean, especially if we're if we're looking for change, you know. And um, you also hit something else which was real critical is communication as well too, because uh, as, as you said before, you know it, it's important in how you present your message to people and and, and making them understand um, what what is the problem that you're really trying to address. Creating that avenue, and showcasing the like the long-term vision, the big picture, as, as I like to call it, you know. Yeah. I think I think um it, it really kind of resonates in terms of how influencing change is something. As you say, that that is something that will take time, and it's something that, as you say, the, the young professionals will need going forward to, if they're ready, because we'll be the ones to inherit that future, the, the 2050 future that everybody keeps talking about for, for trying to reduce carbon emissions to, um, to a certain level. So I believe, you know, in, in terms of understanding how how we can become more influential, there is a, a skill set that, that we will need going forward, you know, because it's not just our um, bosses but actually as you know in the sector you know you have to deal with politicians you have to deal with a lot of people outside that those external stakeholders as well too, to to buy into that vision as well too so it, it, it was real um it was real good to hear it. and you broke it down simply first in terms of um in terms of the advice you could give um influencing change which is real great one of the things that I, I don't know if a lot of our listeners might know but the, the chamber also has a um some influence outside of Trinidad as well i mean you're all have been present um in in Guyana um in Barbados of the islands you've been networking up there as well too you know and I I think one of the the questions that they they want to find is like what advice you could give like a young professional who may want to get a a job in the sector in the energy sector probably in the Caricom region I think the first thing is to say is that
1: you know the CARICOM offers a massive opportunity because for skilled professionals that they, they can, they have that ability to move. So the first thing is to get your skills and then to get your skills certificate. Um, we're trying to expand the, the the scope of the skills certificate. So that's some work which I have been sort of advocating for and working with the CARICOM secretariat around. Uh, and I'm quite involved with the CARICHAM i and the current chair of something called CARICHAM. This is a network of chambers from across the whole Caribbean. So one of the big things we're trying to do is is expand the skills um, certificate ability to, to to obtain the skills certificate to more uh, non-university graduate um, uh, skilled people as well but if you if you are a graduate you can get the skills certificate and that sort of gives you that's your passport to to, to, to work around the region and as a young person uh, yeah so it's that is the perfect time to to, to move to a to, to a different location and to look at the opportunities <laughs> you know i i i am originally uh, english you know and i i emigrated uh, to Trinidad. my wife Trinidadian, and she wanted to come home when i came here uh, without a job um, <laughs> It's quite scary uh, when you, when you do that um, but you know, it's when you're young, uh, before you have kids and a mortgage and things, is actually a, bit, a good time to do that. Once your <laughs> kids are in school and you've got a mortgage and a car loan and things, it gets more difficult. So actually, yeah, it's quite a good time to be ambitious and, and, and move when you're, you're early in your career. And I think the Trinidad gives people opportunities to get some some skills early. Um, you know, we have obviously good uh, educational institutions here. Uh, and if you can get early opportunities in some of the companies and, uh, and just sort of build up some of your skill set early on um, and then just look at the opportunities which exist uh, and take a risk. I mean, you know, the, 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 these things uh, you know, don't always come easy. You can't. I think I think that um, the days of just sort of saying, OK, I'm going to sit here and send out 100 resumes. Um, and yeah, hopefully, I'm going to get offered a job by a big company in a different in a different country. I, I just don't think that's how the work, world works anymore. I think that you have to take a risk and go somewhere and meet another couple of like-minded people, perhaps set a small business up and make some partnerships. And you know, if you do get an opportunity with a with a company, that's fine and take and, and, and take that on for a while. But I think the whole way people now work is you know is it, much more uh, much more fluid. So you have to be 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 willing to take that. It's a bit scary. But um, yeah, the time to do it is when you're young, um, and just any opportunity which comes, just grab it. Uh, even if you, even if it's a bit nerve wracking, um, you know. I was thinking, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, as long as you have enough uh, enough money in your bank account to be able to get back to Trinidad, you know, you're probably going to be okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, just, just just my advice to young people is, you know, look at all the opportunities and think. I think your your point about thinking broadly is really important as well. Don't just because you've been working in a gas company in front of that uh, or, or an oil company think that those are your only opportunities that, that, that exist in the region. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities in renewables which are opening up. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities in energy efficiency. Um, there's a lot of opportunities in upgrading the, you know, the electricity sectors. Um, you know, things like geothermal. So if you have a drilling background. You know, geothermal energy might be a very interesting area to look at if you if you've been working in you know uh, in infrastructure. You know, the the uh, LNG import terminals, which are being developed around the region, these are all really interesting opportunities. And I think that people, you know, just need to keep, have their eyes open, be willing to move, and take a risk on something. Yes,
0: yes, um, definitely, because you know. Um, Something that you said there, you know, the world is changing rapidly and we're actually in a, a phase where I, I like to categorize as as three C's where you look at um COVID, carbon and then climate change, you know, as young professionals, you know. So we so, are basically in an industry that's constantly evolving and, you know, in terms of understanding where the opportunities are as you said it's not just gonna be about just sending out a re- hundred resumes anymore you know you have to be thinking outside the box looking at innovative ways of actually trying to get a job as well too so or even establishing your career so yeah i think sure. w- w- what do um, you say there really networking,
1: um, networking widely is really important because a lot of opportunities you you don't hear about because they're advertised in the newspaper you'll hear them because you have spoken to somebody who's like-minded so I think that those networking opportunities are really important. Um, and a lot of that you can do now, you know, not having to physically travel. You can do that you know, online uh, and, and finding the, the, the right spaces to have, to have those online connections with people um, through, through, uh, through, through LinkedIn or through whatever the, the format is. Talk to people and see what's going on in, the, in their market. And people will usually share information with you. People, particularly professionals, are very keen to share information um because they are interested in what they're doing
0: <laughs> yes and, and I, I think they understand that if we are to make a dent and actually make meaningful actions for for climate change you know it's, it's going to be a collaborative effort as well too so the more information you have is 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 the more you can frame up how you can make like better decisions understand what well, some of the latest technologies and trends out there and you know as, as As young professionals come up, you know, we we, we need to to be abreast of those key initiatives. You know, Um, LinkedIn is a a great platform in terms of uh, getting information, meeting people as well, too. You know, I'm a user on LinkedIn as well, too. So, you know, I I understand the power of LinkedIn, actually. So it's a a great platform and even for jobs as well, too. You know, You, you see a lot of people advertising jobs as well on LinkedIn, providing advice on LinkedIn as well, too giving their own um, stories of their journeys so you know it, it is a way where you can even get a level of inspiration you know if you're yeah. maybe having a rough time and you know you would see these users who may not be on your network but on your feed and you know it's a, it's a good way to, to know that you know um, out there there are a lot of people who actually buy into the, to the, to, to the whole purpose of evolving you know as, a, as professionals you know there's a so yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying there, you know, in, in terms of going forward, you know. So one of the things actually um, we w- w- wanted to kind of also touch on is in terms of mentorship within the industry, because, you know, um, the energy chamber has a, a has a great presence with, with a multitude of stakeholders, whether it's government, um, whether it's with the BP's shells or even the smaller companies, which would be like home businesses. And we know that there, there'll be a lot of wealth of knowledge there as well too and one of the things that are at least from my personal experience that is lacking in training is that level of mentorship for like young professionals because when you actually finish university and you you start working you know there's nobody there really to kind of there's no structured approach in telling you how to evolve your career where it would be like a level of succession planning for the industry etc to, to to really bring that that change as well too you know in in terms of career development for young professionals and i just wanted like your thoughts on on, on mentorship and what are some of the mechanisms that uh, maybe even the energy chamber may be looking at to, to kind of help with that mentorship scheme as well to see that you're like a hub and, and for for so many stakeholders basically that you' all interact with you know because it's not just in trend that alone it's it's true caricom you know it's mm-hmm. globally so I think I think it's something that you know uh, young professionals should look at because you know most most people who who bring change especially who, who look to bring change one of the key things that they all have and always talk about this, like picking your right mentor, you know, picking somebody who could give you advice because mentors will have that level of knowledge that, and experience that you uh, as a young professional wouldn't have. And they could actually help you in terms of crafting so that at least you, you would save on that time and energy. you learn a lesson some other way, you know, but but through that mentorship advice, you will be able to to be a little more efficient with your decisions as well, too. So. So,
1: so, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I agree entirely with your point. And the, the Chamber doesn't have a formal, men, a formal mentor program. Um, we, we partner with the Heroes Foundation, but that mentorship is, is more, more actually aimed at uh, younger people, people uh, not young professionals, but people still in school. So that actually sets up mentoring relations between young professionals um, and people in schools. And you know, the big thing we do every year is the, is the, the Youth Forum at the Energy Conference, uh, and we do that in partnership with the Heroes Foundation, where we're bringing um, school kids in, you know, in to meet with leaders in the industry. Um, and I think that's some, perhaps about more giving people some sense of inspiration um, that there is a that there is something that they can reach for. Um, and yeah, there's an emphasis on also trying to find kids uh, who are perhaps may may not be in the in, in the best um, positions in terms of their. Community which they're coming from, uh, and they may not see many examples from their community of people who are able to move into into high level positions. Um, so that's the that's the main sort of mentoring thing that we that we do formally, uh, and we do that in partnership with the Heroes Foundation. But informally, there's a there's a lot of opportunity through the work of the chamber for, for young professionals to get involved, and I think to informally meet mentors who will help them through the through the committees. Um, that we have. So I'm thinking of, of, of a number of, of, of people who sort of start out as young professionals volunteering their time to be on some of our committees and the amount of assistance and goodwill which they generated because um, they were willing to actually volunteer because they're clever young people with lots of knowledge and they were willing to volunteer their knowledge. Uh, you know get stuff done for the chamber which i think people then really appreciate and then they make these great relationships and there's a i mean i'm thinking of of, of a young lawyer who uh, who uh, you know volunteered his time to, to help us um, put together some some uh, of the, the work we've done on, on industrial relations um, and how he made some fantastic relationships with some very senior people through that process. Um, and I'm thinking there's other young people through our Renewable Energy Committee who have, um, you know, I, I think made some really strong relationships which have helped them uh, in, in their careers and in their businesses. So I, I think that um, volunteering um, on committees, uh, is something which I think sometimes young professionals might find it a bit frustrating because things sometimes go, seem to go a bit slow. Um, and it's not always clear what's wanted from them. But I think that if people do get involved in some of those committees and volunteer their time and their knowledge and their expertise and their brain power, um, one of the things I have realized as I've got a bit older is that there's People who are sort of, you know, 20 years younger than me, whose brains just work much faster than mine do. Um, <laughs> I may have the, the grey hair and the wisdom, but there's some people who are, you know, in their 20s and their brains just go quicker, <laughs> and they, uh, and they're just really good at, you know, sort of be able to to, to to grasp concepts and I- complex complex concepts and ideas and graft it graft it out and show you how this thing that this thing works. Um, and so I think that if you're a young person who's like that. And you can offer that, and be confident in your in, in your knowledge and your ability that if you volunteer your time to one of the chamber committees, that that uh, you know you can uh, contribute a lot, and you get back a lot. recognise you for for, for for what you are and what you can do, and people will, will people will help people who they think are going to go somewhere, uh, where that uh, the time and effort which they spend with a person is going to have a uh, yeah, a positive result. Um, I think people. In a mentoring relationship, if they feel that the person that they're just sort of helping them through a sense of obligation, then I don't think it will go very far. When they feel that they're helping them because this is somebody who's really going to take on what they're they're saying and is going to contribute to to make the world a better place, then people will then very happily uh, give the the benefit of their knowledge and their expertise. I guess
0: any of the listeners of this episode. If they would like to volunteer to the to their well their services to the energy chamber, uh, how 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 can they approach it? Is it that they they'll send like an email to the chamber, or
1: yeah, I, that's the best way to approach to, to to send,
0: or or if you know an existing committee member
1: like yourself, you know people can approach <laughs> them as well and, and help sort of induct them into in, into the uh, you know in, into the, the chamber, and uh, sometimes it's also about suggesting things that they can do to help as well. You know they may have an idea and um, i think you have to people have to always appreciate that the chamber is going to have certain positions which is which is trying to which is trying to advance so that they sort of need to fit in with with, with, with those general um you know, advocacy areas the chamber is working on um but once they can do that
0: um and they have something to contribute then you know we're always very happy to have volunteers okay great great because i and i know um there, there, there are a lot of people who have a lot of skills out there and and you know they, they may be looking for areas where they could channel their skills and their energy trying to give back you know through volunteering and it's, it's good to know that they could go to the um reach out to the energy chamber and um ask how they could play a role in in trying to help utilize their skills and and, and also add to the conversation add value to the conversation of um of trying to bring change because that's what that's what you're looking to do really, right? to bring to bring change yeah. you know but I mean, but it's not,
1: I mean, I'd also say it's not just us alone. There's other people as well. There's, I mean, you, you, you are doing this through what you're doing at the moment. So, uh, you yeah, know, and there's a lot of other organizations like that, like the I Am Movement or the Heroes Foundation, you know, who, who are, uh, you know, organizations which have a lot of opportunities for, for younger professionals to really contribute to um, and, uh, you know, to, to to volunteer their time. And I think with those things, you always you always will get back up if you put in something to it then you'll get back a lot more
0: yes I, I agree with you I agree with you in terms of it, it, once you're in that time you know, the amount of energy you put in is what you will get back out so that that is also an important right. uh, lesson for young professionals as well To you sit passively and wait then nothing's going to come nothing's going to happen exactly <laughs> yeah. you have to keep moving and you, you cannot be afraid to feel you know I think that is a, a critical lesson that at least um, in trainer, you know, uh, you know, we, we always have to feel that like everything is perfect, has to be perfect. But sometimes you just have to keep moving and, and learn as you go. And once you keep learning as you go and you understand how you can improve, I think that is the most important thing, actually, yeah, uh, especially exactly. for uh, a young professional, you know. So, Dax, yeah. um, I, I don't know if Graham has any questions. I, I, I feel like I kind of hug the conversation a, <laughs> a lot. But, um, Graham, you have you have anything you'd like to ask Dax?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, That's very nice to meet you. Uh, Good to meet you. Thank you very much for attending this session. Um, Being the director and founder of a renewable energy company, it is quite refreshing to hear your thoughts and the goals of the chamber in a holistic sense. And one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what would you say, I mean, we're, we're talking about change and preparing ourselves for this, inevitable shift in our energy sector. And one of the things I wanted to ask is, what are the major targets? Let's talk like medium to long term for the energy chamber, apart from increasing awareness and uh, using different platforms to try and bring about that change in mentality. Well,
1: I think that if we're talking on, on particular things like the energy transition and, and um, you know, decarbonization, uh, I think that really our, our target is to make sure that we have a much more energy efficient uh, energy sector, because if we don't, then there's, there's, there's a limited future for it. Um, we have to decarbonize uh, our um, products. Uh, petrochemicals, we have to have, uh, you know, even our LNG has to have a, a lower carbon footprint. And we have to substitute, uh, we have to bring in renewable energy to substitute a uh, gas-fired power, uh, electric, electric power. Um, the, and and you know, that's all about getting the maximum value out of the resources we have, the natural resources we have. You have to cherish those natural resources. Uh, and you have to say, these are important things, and we and, and we have to maximize the value and uh, that has to happen in a context where you're re- reducing the, the, the waste of them, which is what really creates Trinidad's very large carbon footprint. Uh, that, that is how I, I would see it. I mean, We're just trying to, to, to maximize the value and not to waste this resource that we have and start to use the resources which we have, you know, like wind and, and solar, which are, you know, at the moment we're not using at all, but um, you know, can easily
2: be bought with, within, within our energy system. Great, great, absolutely. I mean, I share the same views, same sentiments, but I mean, again, certainly there are talks about these new projects, those these megawatt scale projects, these grid type projects with BP LightSource and Shell. And we always hear in talks about changes in policy, removal of subsidies, you know? Right. Things that we'll start to get the ball rolling Incentives to encourage residential or commercial clients to commercial entities to really see the value in solar and make that change. So, I mean, in your personal views, what would you say we as a country could implement now to start getting renewable energy out there in terms of level of implementation? Yeah, so I mean, I think that that you
1: know we, we have this barrier because of the fossil fuel subsidy which exists, um, you know, with in, in the electricity sector, which making electricity very cheap. So then that acts as a disincentive for for companies or even individual householders to 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 to, to use um, solar, um, yeah, you know, which is a sort of the, the best technology in terms of very distributed generation. Uh, you know, wind tends was always kind of, going to tend to be sort of bigger. Um, and you know, more on a grid scale, um, but but in terms of very distributed solar is obviously the, the technology which really suits itself uh, to that. But the but the low price of electricity means we we both waste it and we don't look at alternative ways of generating electricity as well. So I think actually we have to deal we do actually have to deal with that 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 policy uh, around electricity pricing. That doesn't now we have to keep a subsidy there for the poorest households um, because we have to make sure that they do have a, a, access to electricity um, so uh, for those the, those households at the bottom 15 20% who actually use very little electricity now but we need to keep that subsidized so they do have that but for the households you know the top 20% who use uh, yeah about roughly half of the electricity in the country so the, the people with uh, you know with Air, you know lots of air conditioning and uh, swimming pool pumps and flat screen TVs and, uh, and and clothes dryers. There's no reason why we should be subsidising their their electricity, um, and you know, they should be. We should change that system. They should be paying the market price for it, which will then automatically make solar much more attractive. Uh, I think if we did that, you would see people, you know, really would be knocking down your door, um, as is happening in other Caribbean markets where people are. You know, able to 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 bring the solar uh, you know, in, into their household or into their business you know, economically. So that is, to me, I think, is the key for it. Um, all these other little sort of you know the, 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 the tax changes can help, but they, those are not the key things. The key thing is really getting the 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 the, fiscal, the, the financial system uh, you know there, so it makes sense for people to make the change. Um, so we do have to still work on getting those policies changed, and it's a difficult one. I think you know we made a big argument around. Around transport fuel subsidies. And I think, in a way, we sort of won the argument that people understood that transport fuel subsidy had to be phased out. Um, it hasn't actually quite happened, um, and we still have a controlled price. But I think that the argument was, in a way, was won. It's just now how do you implement that? And I think we need to start doing the same with electricity uh, and let people understand why it is that we have to, to, to make these changes. Interestingly, when we survey our membership, uh, which we did recently, uh, and asked them about how they looked at renewables, almost, I think, I can't remember the, the exact number, it was over 90% of our members said, yes, they have looked. They are looking actively. They're trying to find ways of, of, of integrating renewable energy into their processes. Now, also we know that very a perc- very few percent have actually implemented but people are interested. People are looking. Uh, so I think there's a big opportunity there, which which does exist.
2: So I guess it's safe to say that solar really is a hot topic. No pun intended.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I think solar is, you know, and obviously for 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 you know for the Caribbean and you know it's not just Trinidad, it's the entire Caribbean region. Solar obviously makes a you know you know that makes a lot of sense. The yeah, you know, it was great if if we could also bring some, some of the other technologies in as well. I mean, I think solar and wind integrate well together. I mean, the big advantage we have in Trinidad is having having gas-fired power you know, really does lend itself very nicely to integrate with the intermittent renewables like solar and, and wind.
2: So we should take advantage of the opportunity we actually have. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think you're yeah. really hit the nail on the head. And I mean, there are so many, that's just for starters, there are so many other policies and ways where, homeowners could actually treat their solar system as a business net metering I'm talking about, but sure. we'll see that for another day, but thanks very much. That's really enlightening to hear your views. Um, really look forward to working with the energy chamber on this podcast and in future episodes, uh, to come in the following years for the
0: youth government of Trinidad and Tobago. Great. Thank Fantastic. You. Thank you. It really, it really was a, a, a great, um, session with you. And, um, I'm still shocked. Um, I never knew that you you had a background in history. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, I did. <laughs> well, I mean, she, can I say one last thing? Yes, um, yes, go ahead.
1: Yes. A general comment that I've noticed, you know, based upon you know, I, I've been living in Trinidad now for well, I've lived in here. I've lived more of my life in Trinidad than I've lived anywhere else. One of the things I've noticed with the Trinidad education system is it tends to push people to specialisations quite young. Um, so yeah at school they either do you know, humanities or they or, or they do sciences if they do sciences they sort of then go into in, in the university system and a, and a sort of down a path of either you know, the, of the natural sciences or, or engineering and they never read another book book of fiction after <laughs> the age of 16 I think actually that's a real mistake and I think people need to keep a much broader education and they need to be keep, Aware of what's going on, they need to be aware of history. Um, They need to be aware of what's going on in the wider economy. They need to be aware of what's going on uh, in in terms of global political movements, and they need to understand people. And you get understanding through also through through reading. So I think that uh, you know, keeping keeping, there's no reason why why because you're an engineer that you shouldn't be interested in literature and, and the arts and in and in music. I think of thinking of Mark Luquan, you know, this very successful engineering background running the natural gas company. And he's a musician as well. So you yes. can do both. <laughs> so I would encourage people don't over-specialize in, in in uh you know, keep keep an open mind and keep looking at different things and be widely interested in the world and in people. because uh, if you want to influence people, you need to understand people. <laughs> Correct. Not just not just to not be able to to, to to have the right engineering solution, but how do you actually convince people as well? You have to understand people. And, to and do that. that is
0: why they look at this whole um, energy trilemma approach, or the just transition, because it's, it's more than just technology. You're looking at that social aspect, the kind of the, exactly. the economics and the environmental exactly. aspect, you know. Exactly. And you know, um, actually, when you said you have a background in history and you, you talk about. Actually, now the head of the energy chamber, you know, a quote came to my mind that was from um, Oprah Winfrey, who actually said, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, the ability to triumph begins with you always, you know, and and is within you and you doing that self-development and always striving for progression is what is going to help you to really excel as well too, you know, so. And I would say for young professionals, particularly now, the way the world is at the moment, is
1: don't set out what you think is going to be a career path with a map and sit down at you know, the age of 21 and say, this is, the, this is the map of my career path, and I'm going to stick to it. Because if you do that, you're going to go past a lot of little, very interesting side routes, which might actually take you somewhere which you didn't expect to be going, but is actually much more interesting. Um, so I think keeping an open mind about opportunities is also really important. I mean, then, then weigh each one up as you come to it. I think this sort of going in and thinking, okay, I'm now, you know, 21, and by the time I'm, you know, 30, I need to be, you know, a, a team leader, and by the time I'm 40, I need to be a manager. By the time I'm 50, I need to be the CEO. I think that that, you know, if you think that way, then you probably won't take advantage of the
0: opportunities which uh, which present themselves to you. Once again, we'd like to thank Dr. Driver for being a guest on Beyond the Rig, episode two. Join us on our next episode as we'll be having a conversation with Dr. Dale Ramlakhan, head of the Renewable Energy and Energy Efficiency Committee at the Energy Chamber. Again, we'd like to give a special shout out to our local and abroad listeners. And just a gentle reminder to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, Beyond the Rig. Until next time, stay safe.